But we're all on a pilgrimage of sorts. And this church has been on a pilgrimage and is on a pilgrimage. We don't get everything right. The ministers that we have aren't perfect. They sometimes forget things and get things wrong. And they probably always have done. Next week, we're going to recreate a pilgrimage. Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. You may or may not be familiar with that piece of work. John Bunyan was a contemporary of Thomas Risley. And he spent 12 years in Bedford Prison because of his faith, because of, uh, that he wouldn't conform. More on that later. And he wrote this book, Pilgrim's Progress, and we're going to recreate that. And we've got a practice tonight, just to remind those who said that they'd be in it, we've got a practice tonight, half past six. But each of us is on a spiritual journey. And remember, it's not so much the destination that's important, but the actual journey. And each one of us are on that journey. Now some, like Abraham, I read out at the beginning, very dramatic, he had to leave home and went to a new land. But if you never leave your hometown, you're still on a pilgrimage, still on a spiritual journey. And I'd like us to uh, think this morning about Philip, who went on a journey and uh, the first part of Philip's story is read by Derek. Um, uh, perhaps, Mike, would you like to help Derek to come out? It's from Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. Now, just to give you a bit of background, that this is in the early days of the church, not of this church, of the church. Uh, Jesus has died, rose again, and uh, sent his Holy Spirit. The church has, has started... But there's a problem in the church, and it's a difficulty when there's a problem within the church. And Derek's going to read to us, and it'll talk about the problem. It was a practical problem, but also about the solution that they came up with. Thank you, Derek. I'm reading from Acts chapter 6, uh, verses 1 to 6. In those days when the number of disciples uh, in those days when the number of disciples were increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained amongst the Hebraic Jews because their, win- their widows were being overlooked in the daily uh, distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right to neglect the ministry of God in order to wait on tables. Three brothers, choose seven from among you, who are known to be full of the, uh, full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to the prayer and ministry of the word. 
This proposal pleased the whole group. Uh, they chose Stephen, uh, a, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Uh, also Philip, uh, Procurus, uh, Nicano, Timon, Paraminus, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles, who prayed and laid their hands on them, so that the word of God spread. The number of disciples in, in Jerusalem increased. Thank you, Derek. You know, some people are worried about reading the Bible and volunteering to be on the reading rota. Some of the difficult words that you have. Fancy trying to read it in Braille. That's, thank you, Derek. That's brilliant. See, there was trouble in the church. It was a practical problem that, and, and also a bit of a, a, a problem with the two groups of, of people. And uh, there, were, there were difficulties because some were going hungry and there was this, just this practical issue. How should they solve it? Because the apostles, they were being distracted from their preaching ministry. Um, perhaps a bit like I've been um, feeling this week. And so they appointed some people. Stephen was one of them. Philip was another one. But note what it said. People not who were just good at practical stuff but full of the Spirit and wisdom. In other words, it was important. It was a spiritual thing that they were doing, the practical stuff. And Philip started his journey, his pilgrimage, if you like, with this practical working. Let's not belittle the practical ministry that we perhaps have. You know, it may be in, in our homes, the, uh, the practical stuff. It may be uh, at work. It may be in church. Maybe with the food bank that Alison mentioned. Very practical ministry. So important. Let's rejoice in the practical stuff that we can do. And rejoice that in the Bible here it was valued and they needed people full of spirit and wisdom. Now what happened next in the life of, of this church, this church in the Bible, was that there was persecution. If you know uh, the story about Saul, who became a great persecutor of the church, eventually he came to faith and was known as Paul. But before that, he was a great persecutor. And he looked on as Stephen, one of these men who was chosen, was stoned to death. Let's hear about what happened to Philip as this persecution hit. Angela, thank you. On that day, 
a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Philip in Samaria. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Now for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is the divine power known as the great power. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. Thank you, Angela. So God's people were scattered. There was, uh, there was persecution. And Philip, how did he react? On his spiritual journey, how do we react? You see, I don't know what your week's been like. Poor old Mike only moved into his new house yesterday. Got one room ready, and now you come in here leading worship. Thank you, Mike, that's brilliant. Maybe we've had difficult weeks, maybe we've had easy weeks, I don't know. But remember, just like in this reading, that the Lord was with those people who were having a terrible time, and they had to move, they had to be scattered. And, uh, but Philip then began to preach where he was. Now his ministry had changed from being that very practical, perhaps mundane ministry. Now he was preaching and up against spiritual attackers. He got Simon the sorcerer who was there, who was into magic and trying to use the Holy Spirit for magic. So there was a spiritual um, attack going on. But Philip was inspired by God to preach and miracles happened and... And that persecution actually enabled the church to grow because people were scattered. And when there is persecution, when there are times of difficulty, they are significant times in a pilgrimage, in the life of the church, in the life of individuals. So maybe if you have had a difficult time, then just remember that the Lord's been with you, the Lord will help you. And it's in those times that sometimes 
there is a, a moulding of, of, of character, an opportunity to seek help, an opportunity to help others. For Philip, it was a change in his ministry and a dramatic one, and wonderful things happened through it, although I'm sure it was a, a very difficult time. I'm not wanting to glorify persecution. I was preaching in, in Bradford yesterday, and there was a Muslim woman who had come to faith, come to Christian faith. She had a difficult time because often the families uh, will, will not have anything to do with her. There was another meeting going on yesterday in Manchester, Manchester Cathedral, all about John Bunyan and the great ejectment about what happened in 1662. Did anybody go? Well, that's good. I can tell you about it then, and um, I can inform you about it. You see, what happened in 1662, some of you will know about. Some of you, if you buy one of the books that David's um, uh, um, compiled, will know more about it afterwards. Or if you get one of the mugs, you'll know more. But just in case, a law was passed to say that everybody had to worship in a certain way. And if you didn't, there was trouble. And so, therefore, a gathering such as this, 350 years ago, would have been illegal. How would you react to that? If you came, think, thought about coming to church this morning, but thought, what I'm doing is illegal. Would you think, well, let's change, let's conform, let's do what the government say and, and worship in that particular way? Maybe you would. Maybe you just not come. Or maybe you would risk it and uh, recognise that sometimes you just have to stand up for what's right. John Bunyan did that. He ended up in prison for 12 years. Thomas Risley did that. As far as we know, he didn't go into prison, but he did start an illegal church. How it tended to happen is that um, uh, the ten families would, to, would get together, each would give a 10%, a tithe, the, uh, the biblical instruction, and pay that to the minister, and they would gather together. And they would each have a say in, uh, in what would happen in the church, and that was like the church meeting, and that's why we still have church meetings today. There's a bit of a backstory. it wasn't a sudden 1662 decision of the government, there was the Reformation that happened in the 1500s, which changed things, and it, um, it came to this country. There was a, the rise of Puritans. You can read more about it on the internet or, um, or, or various publications, such as Oliver Cromwell, whose statue is in Warrington, isn't it? One of only two, I think, in the country. But, um, Puritans get given a bad press, don't they? The classic thing that everybody knows about them, or lots of people know, is that they tried to ban Christmas. And, uh, and everybody jokes about it. But the reason that they tried to ban Christmas was because they were earnest about the faith. 
and they thought that Christmas was devalued. And many people say that now. Maybe they were right. Puritans were were sure about their faith. Their faith was so important to them. When Charles II came back to the came to the throne, that's when this law was passed, and it was a part of a series of of laws. And I've got them. There's the Corporation Act, the Act of Uniformity, the Conventicle Act, and the Five Mile Act. I won't go through all of the acts. Some of you might be interested. Look them up. But what it meant was that if you didn't conform to what the government said and worship according to what they said, according to the Church of England prayer book and all of the things that went associated with it, it wasn't just about worship, then you were committing an offence. And if more than five people gathered, you were committing an offence. Does that sound like some countries today where Christians are persecuted like that? You couldn't hold a position working for the government. You couldn't go to university. You couldn't do so many things. It was religious persecution. That is the heritage of this church. I mentioned that my week's not been an easy week, but it's nothing like that. I wasn't worried about the police coming round. These people, such as Thomas Risley and uh, and others, took their faith seriously. Thomas Risley was prepared to give up his job. Uh, 2,000 other vicars did as well. Move here and start this illegal church. They were known as the nonconformists because they wouldn't conform. And they became known in different uh, places, different groups. There was the Quakers, the Baptists, just the Independents, the Congregationalists, and the Presbyterians. And this church was a Presbyterian church. There was that great split in the church, which was wrong. Forty years ago, on Friday, a group tried to do something significant to bring those churches back together again. It started with the Congregational Church and the Presbyterian Church joining together. 40 years ago, there's an act of parliament and there was lots of things. Tony Benn was very instrumental in that. And the United Reformed Church was born 40 years ago on Friday. It's got that funny name, hasn't it? United Reformed Church. And I think the hope was that by this time it wouldn't happen, it wouldn't exist. Not because it had died out, but because that would have been the catalyst to the amalgamation of all the churches. And so, 40 years on, it would be the church in England. Sadly, that's not happened. Some other churches have joined 
the United Reformed Church, but it's not been that great catalyst yet. But what is so good is that there's no longer an issue over the the Church of England and uh, and other groups. We all recognise that we worship the Lord and uh, we all perhaps just worship in slightly different ways. But thankfully, all of that history has, uh, has meant that we are now united in our faith. And so, in this year, there's been a service of reconciliation, which um, a, a moderator went to in Westminster Abbey, where the, the Church of England and the United Reformed Church, they just sort of said, well, all of that was history. We are all worship the same God. And I know that many here, most here, have worshipped in different churches and, uh, and we rejoice in that. We rejoice in the unification that there is. But there is something that's distinctive about the United Reformed Church. And maybe other churches have got it as well. But in our basis of union, it says this. We believe that Christ gives his church a government distinct from the government of the state. In things that affect obedience to to God, the church is not subordinate to the state, but must serve the Lord Jesus Christ, its only ruler and head. Civil authorities are called to serve God's will of justice and peace for all humankind and to respect the rights of conscience and belief. In other words, we are still non-conformists. If the government says something that we disagree with, we can say no. We're going to do something different. Now, we've got to be a bit careful if you get a parking ticket and um, you say, well, no, I'm a non-conformist. My minister said I can just say no. It might not wash. But... If the local council said there isn't a homeless problem in Warrington, just it doesn't matter, we can say no, can't we, Rona? And we can go out onto the streets and we can find the homeless and we can say we're going to do something about this. No matter what the local government say, we can be non-conformist and we can try and do the right thing. And we rejoice that that happened I learnt this week at one of the meetings I attended to that the government, and this isn't a political, party political, but the government, and this seems to be over many of the parties, are saying that the uh, people on benefits are scroungers and they're giving out false statistics over this. And there's a move now from the National Church to actually put the truth of the matter And I just want to stir us up, stir us up on on our pilgrimage, our spiritual journeys, to have convictions like our forefathers and mothers did, to take faith seriously in our day-to-day lives, in our whole life discipleship, in our working lives, in our community lives, in our families' lives. Faith is important, faith is relevant, but also to look and not just accept things but do what is right in spirit and in wisdom, as Philip did in the Bible, in the practical stuff and 
in the spiritual stuff. In fact, there's no difference in our lives. We need to take our faith seriously, rejoice in our history, rejoice in the present nature that we are still on a a pilgrimage. And I hope and I pray that as we enter into this week of of celebrations and uh, rejoicing over the 350th anniversary, we'll just reflect afresh upon our faith and our faith journeys.